Good morning, and welcome to Christ Church. I'm Jim Borsom. I serve as an elder of the church, and I've had the pleasure of greeting many of you over the years as an usher. And I'm Deborah Borsom. Jim and I have attended Christ Church for over 30 years. We're members, and I serve as a trustee and a Stephen minister. 2020 has been a year of uncertainty, but one thing we can be certain of is Christ's love for all of us. Christ calls us together as one body for worship, service, and praise. So please join us now as we worship God together. Good morning, friends. I'm Dave Bianchin. I serve in the prayer and care department here at the church, and I'd like to echo Jim and Deborah's welcome to you today, whether you're worshiping with us in the sanctuary. We're so glad to see you or worshiping online. We are indeed glad to be together on this morning. Please do note that you can access the bulletin by texting 630-206-3230 and put in the word bulletin. Let's be called to worship in these words from the 121st Psalm. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch your coming and your going both now and forevermore. Friends, let us worship God.
Friends, please be seated. And would you join me, please, as we go to the Lord in prayer? Let us pray. Gracious God, we have come into this place this morning. We have gathered in your name to worship you. Lead us in these moments to focus upon you. We need you, Lord, and we need you absolutely. So bring your Holy Spirit into this place, into our hearts, and into these moments as we join in worship. Set aside our propensity to see the world from our limited perspective. Set aside our self-centeredness. Confront us with the breath of your heart for all people. Grow within us a heart for knowing and serving you as our primary joy. Grow within us a heart for other people and for their needs. And give us souls yearning for the heaven ahead of us and hearts for seeking the righteousness in our world in the days you give us here. We confess that we fall short of your vision for us. We misuse what you give us. We hoard more than is our share, and we hold opinions based on our own wants. And in doing so, we neglect the needs of others. In our hurry and in our selfishness, we run rampant over persons we should honor and love. And so, Lord, hear us in these moments as we take a moment to silently confess our sin to you. We thank you, Jesus, that you forgive us and give us a new start. And so, Lord, we thank you for the new life you offer and the new start you provide. Your mercies are new every morning. They are new this morning. And for that, we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, hear the good news. Who is in a position to condemn? Only Christ. And Christ died for us. Christ rose for us. Christ reigns in power for us. Christ prays for us. If anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has passed away and the new has come. Friends, know that you are forgiven and be at peace. Amen.
joy like the fountain. I've got joy. Thank you so much. Friends, please join me again as we come to the throne in a moment of prayer. Gracious God, there are many moving parts in these days, and many of us live with uncertainty about how to live in the midst of those moving parts. And so, Lord, there are many things on our minds that we would give to you this morning. We pray for our public and private educational systems as school boards, teachers, and students enter into this new school year. Give them wisdom in what they do, protection for their health, and good learning environments. We pray for our interaction with others. As people argue about how to live in these days, give us a heart for the common good, and a concern for others, and a commitment to justice and righteousness in the world. Lord, help us to be leaders. Help us to be leaders promoting civility to act with calmness, to support all people to live in safety, to quell all hatred and violence. We pray for our church and the other churches around us as we all struggle with staying close to you and one another in these days of social distancing. We pray for our neighbors and all those with the challenge of finding and maintaining employment as the coronavirus season continues. Provide for families, business owners, and individuals in these days. Lord, we lift up those who are affected by the hurricane and other natural disasters, the fires in California, the hurricanes south of us. We pray, Father, for safety for people and folks to come alongside of them in their, their property losses and their, their need for comfort. Lord, in the days ahead, amidst all the noise and fear that we will experience, give us a hunger for hearing your voice. Draw us to your word and meet us there. Draw us into times of prayer where we may hear your still, small voice. Draw us into moments of fellowship where brothers and sisters in faith may speak into our lives. Draw us into service that we may give out of your heart to others. And draw us together, Lord, in this moment as we pray together the prayer you taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
Well, good morning. It is a joy to welcome you to this time of worship today. Whether you are uh, at home or in a coffee shop or off on vacation someplace, or perhaps sitting right here in this building today, as I now see uh, many people are, as we prepare to test our protocols, getting ready for the opening of our church in September. Wherever you happen to be, please know that you are beloved, and I'm just thrilled to be joining with you together in worship today. I know that uh, this has been a season of time when we have needed more than anything else uh, God's power and his perspective to help shape us for the challenges of this era. And I know that for some of us, uh, this has been a time when we've actually drawn closer to God and been eager to connect with a Christian uh, community of fellow believers. Uh, maybe some of you are newer to the life of Christ Church. You have uh, just begun to uh, connect with us through our online ministries during this season, and you're curious about what the ministry of Christ Church is really all about. Well, this is a great day for you. I hope uh, it will be a time for you to perhaps take a next step in that way because today at noon, we're going to be holding an orientation session we call Meet the Pastor. Uh, it's a chance for me to uh, meet with those of you who are curious about the church's life uh, in a Zoom setting to share something about the ministry and the mission of our congregation in a broader way and to answer the particular questions that you may have. Uh, you can find instructions for this on your screen. Uh, you can simply go to that place and you will uh, be given a Zoom link and you can be with us at noon today. It'll only take about uh, an hour to an hour and a half and I know you'll find it a helpful time. I look forward to personally having the chance to greet you there. I also know that for so many of us, this uh, season has been one in which we have tried to enact uh, particular practices that keep us connected. Uh, we find ourselves needing God's perspective for all of the conflicts and the turmoil of our era. I don't know how you have been practicing your own spiritual disciplines, but I do want to make you aware of two terrific uh, resource places that you can tap into if you feel so inclined. Uh, you have been perhaps part of our evening touch points as we've been broadcasting on Facebook Live uh, each and every evening at 645. Well, starting in September, we are shifting the format of that, and we are going to be moving to midday. On Tuesdays and Thursdays, uh, we're going to be offering that touch point meditation at 1230 p.m., once again, on Facebook Live. And then to keep us all covered the other days of the week, on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, we're going to be sharing together a a little time on Zoom doing what we call our prayer break. It's a chance to be face-to-face -face with other members of our church's uh, community and to lift together uh, the concerns that are on our hearts for our families, for ourselves, for our country, uh, for our church. I hope you will join us. Those will be at 1230 as well. And if you like, you can simply go to Christchurch.us slash Touchpoint, and you'll find links to both of those uh, ongoing opportunities. Uh, speaking of midweek, I do also want to invite you to consider joining us this coming Wednesday for our second online town hall. 
Uh, I look forward to having the chance to share with you there news of what our church is about as we move into the fall season ahead. I want to give you a preview of some of the exciting ministries taking place, describe to you how we are going to be coming, uh, we hope, back into a larger uh, celebration of public worship beginning September the 13th, and to describe some of the protocols that have been uh, put in place to make sure that is as safe as possible. Our hope is to increase the number of people that are experiencing that kind of in-person uh, connection with the body of Christ. Uh, but even if you are not ready to do that yet, and that may be most of us, uh, we are going to continue to come to you through this online ministry and look forward to being a great partner in your spiritual life, uh, regardless uh, in the days to come. I do hope that um, if you are able to join us this coming Wednesday night, you will do that. I want to also share with you that we are going to be providing this fall from September the 13th on an opportunity for a limited number of the children of the church to also join us in person again. But in order to be able to care for them responsibly, uh, we do need to, to have you sign up in advance to be part of those services. Uh, we'll offer an opportunity to sign up on the Sunday Sunday before the following weekend on our church website for anybody that would like to register and we will need to hear from parents by 9 a.m. on the Friday before the next that Sunday uh, if you're hoping to bring your children with you uh, we'll be responding to to the opportunity to care for kids kindergarten through fifth grade and look forward to welcoming those again who may feel ready uh, to be part of our gathering. You know, I know that in the midst of this unbidden season that we've been involved with, for some of us, it's been an unbroken set of challenges. Uh, it has just not been an easy part of life's uh, journey. For others of us, it has been an, an unexpected season of blessing. We found opportunities for uh, reflection, for uh, enjoying the beauty of the creation, for, for reading and for uh, going deeper in our relationship with God. I hope that in the midst of the challenges of this season, you found some opportunities like that. I know of people who even feel like they've thrived during this particular time of the year. However you are experiencing this particular time of life, I hope and pray you have sensed that God's grace is with you in the midst of it. And I, and I hope that we ha here at Christ Church have been uh, faithful in our uh, support of you. And uh, please know of just how much we long to continue to be of support. You can always write to us at help at Christchurch.us. You can share stories of how you're seeing God work by writing to stories at Christchurch.us. Uh, you matter so much to us. And uh, we hope and pray that you have valued what your church has been seeking to offer to you during this time. Uh, we count so much on the partnership of all of us in this uh, enterprise of trying to be the church. And so we come now to that time in our service where we invite you to join with the staff of the church and the elders of the church in being the kind of stewards that enable this ministry to go forward. You can give online, you can use the text to give feature, you can uh, drop by a check at one of the um, uh, gift offering boxes at our two campuses, you can uh, send it in by mail, however you may choose to respond to God's grace in your life. I just wanna say thank you for being partners in the work of the gospel 
in being the bringers of hope and wisdom so needed in our time. So let's further worship God now as we respect and honor the one who is a river of grace in our lives. Let us continue then to worship God.
morning, friends. It is a gift to share this sacred time together. As Dan said, however it is that we find ourselves sharing this moment, we are thankful for the technology and now the space we have again to study God's word together. My name is Tracy Bianchi, and I serve as part of the preaching team here at Christ Church. And this week is, believe it or not, the fourth installment now in a series that we call Summer Lights, a journey throughout the month of August where we hear from some outside guest voices as well as some staff voices alike, an opportunity to study together the things that are on our hearts. So as we dive into that time together, would you please join me now in a word of prayer. Lord, thank you for this time, for this opportunity. Lord, as different as this Sunday morning is from some that we have experienced before, Lord, we are grateful. For we know that you are our God and you are with us. So, Lord, we thank you for the gift of technology, for the songs that you have placed this morning in our hearts, for the prayers, Lord, that have come from our lips. And we ask now, Lord, that you would turn our hearts and our attention to you. Lord, teach us something new today. Make us different and better people because we honored you in this time. In the mighty name of Jesus, the church together said, Amen. Well, I would love if you could imagine with me for a moment that we can fast forward through this pandemic and that we are at a place again where you can travel without restriction. Can you picture it for a moment? God willing, one day that opportunity will return. So let's say that we are there and you are excited for that opportunity and you have decided that you are going to plan a trip for your loved ones. Maybe your spouse, maybe a roommate whom you live with, maybe your children, I'm not sure, but your people are going to go with you on a surprise trip that you are going to plan for them. So you plan it all. You look up the rental cars, you check out the VRBO, you decide, let's just say, because unfortunately, yes, winter will return to Chicago, you're going to go to San Diego. And maybe you find a great little place on the beach and you book some reservations at some swanky restaurants. If you're bringing children, maybe you make a trip on your itinerary to the zoo. Perhaps you are one of those self-proclaimed spreadsheet people. I know people who say they think in Excel. And so you chart your whole trip out on this spreadsheet and you cannot wait until it is time to spring the news of this adventure to the people you are going to travel with. And you gather them all in the room and you sit them down and it's Wednesday evening and you say to them, hey, guess what, surprise, we're leaving tomorrow and we're gonna be gone for five days. And you're met with like maybe one person who's like, yay! And everybody else is like, tomorrow? Like tomorrow, tomorrow. We're leaving for five days tomorrow. I have exams, I have to work, I have meetings. You should have told us. You made all these plans without consulting us. I mean, I think we can all agree that a surprise trip to San Diego is not in and of itself a bad thing, but yet, 
We cannot necessarily make all those arrangements and expect our people to just jump on board with our plan. This is probably not realistic. We make plans like this all the time with God. Like some life travelocity, we plan careers and relationships and our health and education. We plan for places to live, the families we'd like to have. This looks good, we might think. A golden retriever, a couple of kids, or a snappy loft in the city. Maybe this amazing single life filled with travel and adventure. Or maybe we plan for marriage with you know, a fully engaged and always 100% supportive spouse. This all looks good, we say. We click the boxes, we make the reservations, we jump in the car, we pull up to the curb, we open the door, and we say to God, hop in, come with me on my trip. Only we find out that God was already in the car, and he looks at you and says, yeah, we're not doing that trip. And also, I'm driving. God has a different itinerary, a different spreadsheet, with maybe a few of the same columns we have, but a lot of different adventures, and journeys, and hardships than we might ever have planned for ourselves. And maybe God even winks at you and says, I love you, but we are not taking your trip. I have different plans. Listen to what James says to us today about the way we as human beings conduct our lives and make our plans. Our scripture for today comes from James chapter four. If you wanna pull it up on your phone or a copy of the scriptures that you have, James chapter four, verses 13 to 17. The subtitle of this section reads, Boasting About Tomorrow. And he writes this, Now listen, you who say, Today or tomorrow, we will go to this city or that city. We will spend a year there. We will carry on business. We will make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is a sin for them. This, my friends, is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It's a tough passage. James begins by saying, now. He says, now listen. And what he's referring to is when he says now, he says, okay, given everything I've said before this, which the context for our passage today is a litany of reminders from James about how to live with humility in our lives. And he begins the chapter by asking a question. He says, what causes quarrels and fights among you? And then he goes on to define the sort of humility that anyone, claim, anyone who claims to follow Christ must embody. He offers a reminder to avoid slander and gossip and anger, and he notes the evil that comes from pride and arrogance. 
He lays out this beautiful plan about how to live out our days and engage with one another. It's actually the perfect textbook for how to survive an election cycle in the United States. The main theme that he begins this chapter with is humility, and he continues that then into our passage for today. He says, now, now knowing the humility that is required of you, listen, he says. Listen to those of you who say, today or tomorrow we will do this, we will go here, we will go there, we will make money, we will build a business. James moves from the humility that we are to have with one another into this passage where he talks about the humble attitude that we should approach God with. And he offers this vignette. The picture he paints is a group of business partners walking together. They're planning a future. Perhaps they're in tech or nonprofit leadership and they have an idea, they have investors, they have a proposal, they've got their eye on the perfect spot in the city for their home office. They have spreadsheets. They're going to revolutionize an industry or invent a product. They're going to make a ton of money. And to be fair, these might be good plans. They might have good ideas. There is nothing wrong with their walking this road and planning. Planning is not the problem. The issue that James has here is the agenda behind their plans. You see, nowhere in this passage do we see any of these strategists wonder about what God might have them do what their city might need, how the community they walk through might benefit from their ideas. No one prays here to discern how God might use their intellect and resources. Their agenda is driven by self-interest, and they are called out as arrogant for planning without regard to God. And the reality is that, if we're honest, most of us carry this subtle arrogance through our days. We might not like that word arrogant. I mean, when we define it, we think of people who maybe long to look at themselves in the mirror and puff up their chests and boast in how wonderful they are. But there's this subtle arrogance that we all carry through our days. It's the belief that we know best that we move through our lives thinking to ourselves, I know what I'm going to do. I know my plans, I know my life, I know my needs, I know how to orchestrate life for the people that either live in my home or are part of my family. Let's do this, we say to God, I've got a plan. The prophet Jeremiah may have said, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you prosper you, and give you hope and a future. I mean, we've all heard that verse, but we might say, really God, I've got a spreadsheet. Have you seen my spreadsheet? Can we try my plans? Do we seek God's agenda in everything we do? That's the question that we're after today. And if we answer that, oh, I'm not sure or definitely no, then let's work together towards what God would have us to know about how to make his agenda part of our lives, the driving force, in fact, of our lives. 
A good indication, Timothy Keller says, that we're chasing our own agenda is the fact that so many of us get upset and angry when life does not work out how we planned it. We dare to shake our fists at heaven when life does not go our way. And Keller says, if you say, I believed in God, I trusted God, and he didn't come through, you only trusted God, he says, to meet your agenda. Proverbs 16, 9 speaks of this reality. In their hearts, humans plan our course. We make plans, but the reality is, the writer of Proverbs says, the Lord establishes our steps. We can dream up every idea, but ultimately God decides which way our life moves. This passage, interestingly, was the very first sermon I ever preached in my life. It was an assigned text that I had received in seminary, And I remember studying it at the time I was in my mid-20s, and I found this passage so incredibly jarring because I was in the planning and accumulating stage of my life. I had so many ideas. I had so many things that I had planned to do. My husband and I, we were going to do this, and we were going to go to that city, and we were going to build this ministry, whatever it might be. And I remember finding myself almost stunned as I read this at how arrogant my scheming actually was. And I returned to this passage earlier this past month. And I've read it many times since I was in seminary, but I found it jarring once again. It's a haunting passage for us as we stand here now in August of 2020. We plan and we plan and we plan and we plan because we want to have control over our lives. It is hard to give God control. We love the illusion that we have some sort of say in what happens in our world. I mean, pick your preposition. We don't like people who are out of control. We like to stay in control. We say we have things under control. If it appears that no one is in control, we demand that someone takes control. And this is one of the reasons, if we're honest, that 2020 has been such a colossal kick in the gut, is because many of us, for the very first time in our lives, can say, Everything feels out of control. There is grief and tragedy, death, hatred, violence, looting, rioting, wildfires, droughts. I saw a meme as all the hurricanes were churning last week that said, who had twin hurricanes on their 2020 bingo card? And to be fair, everything on the 2020 bingo card has happened before. There is not a single thing we are experiencing now that is new to human history. But the sheer magnitude of the way that this is playing out on a global scale has literally sidelined almost everyone who had a plan on planet Earth. Whether the health crisis we're in or the cries for injustice, we cannot plan around these things. We cannot outrun them. Everyone has had their plans, their control, messed with. Our plans, many of us, have actually utterly failed. Personally, I made a heap of plans at the beginning of this year. 
I had taken a step back from the full-time role I once played here at Christ Church, and I had a couple months of winter hunkered down with my kids, and the first week of March, I was in Denver. I sit on the board at Denver Seminary, and we were in seminary meetings there, and we were planning and strategizing for the future, and I had a little bit of extra time. I went for a short hike with a friend, And as she dropped me off at the airport, we actually had the audacity to giggle about whether or not this coronavirus was really a thing. And when I shut the door to her car and jumped out, I joked, I said, you better stop at Costco on your way home and pick up some toilet paper. Nine days later, the entire world was on lockdown. My kids were home from school where they have been ever since. And I think many of us might confess that instead of thinking back to these verses that James shares with us or thinking back to the ark of Scripture where God reminds us over and over and over again, I am God, I know what I am doing, I have you, quit trying to control it, quit trying to plan for everything. Instead of resting in that, yes, we prayed, Yes, we wept. Yes, we cried out to God for a different way of living and of being in this life, but we also tightened our grip. Many of us, many of the people that I have talked to during these times have confessed that they began to white-knuckle things, perhaps even more than they ever did in the past. Surely we can fix this, we said to ourselves. I mean, many of us as parents, I, I have three teenagers in my house, Surely we'll go back to school in the fall. I mean, the church will be brimming with people by September, won't it? I can bring my neighbors. I'm going to plan on that. I'm going to plan on still playing soccer or football or going to the Y or the club or the gym. I'll be healthy, we might plan. This isn't going to happen to me. Maybe we plan for Zoom to be just a passing phase so we can get our eyes straight again and away from a screen. Surely we have the issue of race settled in America. I don't need to plan on learning or listening or acting different. I'm just going to plan on doing things the way I always did. Certainly looting and rioting, it's only going to last a little bit. It's, it's not going to impact anything. It's not trying to teach me anything. I'm sure we may have said that the teachers' unions and the school boards and the parents will come up with a plan that works for our children. They're all going to agree, right? Of course, Ikea will have desks in stock when we all go to homeschool our children. I'm sure the internet will work fine on the first day of school. It didn't in our district. No big deal. We'll just schedule that vacation. We'll reschedule it. I mean, have any of you experienced this litany of thoughts? You planned to see people you loved by now? You planned for perhaps professional success to recover some losses by now? And if we're honest, this is a pretty luxurious list. I mean, most of us have internet and laptops and vacations to reschedule, and maybe this is all the more reason we tightened our grip. But James continues. He says, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life, he asks. You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live 
and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes, and all such boasting is evil. James kind of twists the knife here, and he reminds us, he says, your life, it is nothing but a vapor. It vanishes like a cloud of smoke, or perhaps like we all know now, this little viral, saturated mist. This is why we wear our masks. A vapor actually matters. God is not saying our lives do not matter. It exists for a little period of time, but eventually it vanishes. Eventually, James tells us that that whiff, that puff, that breath, it disintegrates. Perhaps the only issue that everyone can actually agree upon today is that life here on earth will indeed one day end, quicker than any of us want. Our physical, tangible lives will vanish into the air of eternity, into that realm inhabited by God where our eternal hope and rest and glory resides. So given that, James says, knock it off. Stop with the plotting and the scheming. Stop making your plans and wonder with me, God says, about my plans. I am trying to get your attention. I am trying to teach you something. Is it possible that in our relentless pursuit of achievement and success and comfort and climbing, is it possible that nothing we will achieve there is what God had planned for us? So how then do we find the humble posture that James speaks of here? How do we actually live with God's spreadsheet? Well, lucky you asked. I have two questions. I want to suggest that we ask as we move through what is now the new reality we share. Because God is the same God that he has always been, but we now find ourselves on a different sort of footing than we've ever been in during our lifetimes. And so when we meet the end of our plans, when we find ourselves struggling and wondering, what do I do tomorrow? How do we get through this? How do I react or respond? I want you to first ask yourself this question. Can I detach from the outcome? First question, can I detach from the outcome? Detachment here is not a, um, an isolated, calloused, not paying attention sort of attitude. I'm talking from a, about a, a spiritual detachment from the grip that we hold on our things. Throughout much of our life, we learn to attach ourselves to people. This is not entirely bad. Newborns have to learn early in their lives attachment or they struggle. As we grow up, we attach ourselves to the people we love, the causes we care about, but we also attach ourselves to ideas, to agendas, to stuff. My 12-year-old daughter loves her stuff. She's got a bedroom packed with little art supplies and stuff. She's very attached to it. We become attached to our image and our success. And these attachments are incredibly deep. So when plans go awry, as James points out, they inevitably do, the illusion of control is lost and we find ourselves unraveled. And because we're so attached, we either tighten our grip or we lash out in anger 
at those whom we believe created our chaos. We take the fight to social media. We want to know who's at fault for the tenuous state of our world. We're so attached to, perhaps to our opinions and ideas that we stop listening and learning. Or we hustle to manage our image. We want to remain influencers. We might even lie a little bit to make it look like things are more in control than they are. Or we panic. We stockpile resources. We live in fear because we are attached to the outcomes. Now contrast this with Jesus, who we can easily argue knew the full plan, had the right agenda, knew exactly how things were going to go down in his life, and he wasn't looking forward to it. If you recall the Holy Week narrative, Jesus is on the ground praying and drops of blood fall from his forehead. He's beseeching God to take the cup from him, and yet he detached himself from his desires, his desired outcome. He let go of his agenda for comfort. His entire life was lived in this practice. We do not see Jesus planning for education and housing and retirement and achievement. He traveled light. He did not cling to his plans. Can you detach from your grip on the outcomes? Can you take an inventory of the things in your life that matter so much to you that you're willing to do anything to make those plans push through? Paul in Galatians writes, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Is it possible for us to get to that place where the desires and the outcomes we so long for no longer live in us, but Christ fills us with his desire? Can I detach from the outcome I'm so desperately chasing after for this life. And the second and last question is this, can I see God? Can I see God? That seems like the most basic question you ask perhaps when we show up here at church. What if the first question we asked in chaos wasn't whose fault is this? Why did this happen? And how can I get out of this? But instead, how can I find God? to get us through this. God never leaves us alone, never vanishes, never sits out around to catch his breath as we flounder. There's no such thing as a God-forsaken or godless place. God is always present. Think about Moses quickly, who for years struggled against God's plans because he had his own idea and his own agenda. And there's that great story in Genesis that we read early on in the life of Moses where he's planning and he's moving at his own pace. And then we read that God begins to speak to him through a burning bush, this little scrub bush that catches on fire and doesn't stop burning. And God talks to him in that moment. And when we read that passage, at least I look at it and think, oh, Moses just must have been walking along one day and then, boop, God showed up in the middle of his path. I think Anne Lamott asked a brilliant question a couple years ago in one of her works. She said, how many years had that bush been burning before Moses noticed it? What happened in the life of Moses that day that made him suddenly notice God? 
God is always with us in this life. He is in the tumult of 2020. He has never left us. We are not alone without our Lord and Savior. And yet many of us can't find him because we're not looking. We're wondering, God, where are you in this? Why haven't you fixed this? Why haven't you taken this away yet? Maybe God is saying, you haven't learned yet my plan. And maybe God's plan for us isn't to get us all out of this immediately as much as we would all love for justice to reign and health to be restored. Maybe God is saying to us, I am here getting you through this. You know, scripture is filled with really hard stories. And if we read them and we look at them and reflect on them properly, we realize the terror in many of the lives and the stories we read, it doesn't actually end. The beauty in the stories in scripture is that in the midst of the chaos, people realize that God is with them. And God then journeys and gets them through it. The victory in scripture is God's presence is that God's plan is ultimately how we end our days. And I find that a great comfort as a person who has a white knuckle death grip on my own plans for my kids, for my family, for what I long for in this world. And what James is asking us to do is release that grip. Your life is a vapor. I mean, why all this exertion? Why all of this plotting and scheming? Why are we so arrogant to believe that we actually know what God is going to do? Let's detach from the outcomes. And let's earnestly seek the Lord in all things these days. Let's not simply ask God to bless our agenda, but let's submit truly and beautifully our agendas to God and say to God, what do you want us to do? How do you want me to live? What community of people do you want me to engage with? What do you want to open my eyes to? What direction do you want me to go in that I have never considered? Because Lord, you are with me. You are the ultimate architect of the spreadsheet. And so let us release the plans to which we cling so tightly. I want to close just by reading an excerpt from Proverbs 3. Many of you might know this piece, but I think it reminds us again so beautifully of the invitation that God has for us at all times, but I think at this time in history for us more than any other. Proverbs 3 says this, Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck and write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and others. So trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise then in your own eyes and fear the Lord and shun evil. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we are grateful for your plans. 
It is hard to find them, we confess. It is hard to make our way through these days. Lord, there is no textbook for the world that we share today. But Lord, there is your good word. And there is scripture, and there is the living hope that comes from following you. So Lord, show us your plans. Teach us to follow your steps. Remind us, Lord, that the goal is not getting out of all of this, but getting through it, step by step, day by day, following your mercy and love and grace, your example, your pattern, your patience, and your wisdom and how to live out our days. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. As we go now into our day, a common benediction we have many of us heard before is a beautiful reminder of God's presence with us in all things. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us. Be with us. Now, and forevermore. Amen. <laughs>